Welcome to episode 10 of a Northern Counties Paranormal Podcast hosted by Within the Boggart Wood. Now, while normally the podcast concentrates purely on ghost tales and folklore within the north of England and the Scottish borders, there have been requests for more international coverage, and so I've decided that I'll look occasionally at more worldwide phenomena. I figured as the podcast has hit its first milestone of 10 episodes, this was as good a time as any to start. I will say in advance though, that I'm not always the best at pronouncing names in places in faraway lands, so I apologise for any such errors in this podcast and future episodes. These broader episodes will also feature the listener stories sent in dealing with UK and worldwide experiences. And so without further ado, today's listener story was sent in by Jill. In February and March of 2008, me and my family lived on a little compound for university lecturers and their families just outside of the city of Hale, Saudi Arabia. My two children, Yasmin and Omar, ages five and nine at the time, shared a room. One night, they abruptly woke me up chattering on about a blue lady. At the time, I didn't take it at face value, but to this day, they still swear by what they saw. This is what they recall. During the night, both my children were woken up by a strange feeling and from their bunk bed they saw what looked to be a ghostly apparition of a blue lady in the top right corner of their room, with her legs tucked up in front of her and her back against the ceiling. They could tell she was female by the outline of her features, though her body faded to nothing towards her feet. Omar described her as a blue, featureless female ghost, but Yasmin described her as having blue features which seemed to fluctuate from old to young and shifting from expressive to expressionless. They both felt that she was projecting feelings of profound sadness which made them worried for her but not frightened of her. Several months later a neighbour of ours had the same encounter but I had never mentioned what my children had seen that night. Only then did I start to believe them. Another strange thing which happened to me which I can't rationalise was when I lived in a second floor apartment in Abu Dhabi in 2010. My children had gone to school and I was by myself in the living room doing some clear modelling when suddenly I felt like I was being watched, even though that was silly because there was no one else in the apartment. I slowly turned around towards the window and to my astonishment I noticed a dove in the room watching me from its position, tucked in between plants on the window ledge and sitting on a stone I had placed on the soil. We stared at each other for about a minute, I was wondering how it had got in, the windows were all closed. Then I got slowly to my feet and the dove fluttered up and away, directly through the closed double glazed window without a mark or a noise. At this point I didn't believe my eyes, so I checked the plant it had knocked when it flew off, only to find the pot still vibrating from the impact. To this day, I can't figure a rational explanation for what I saw. So now we move on to this episode's main story. In 2012, the documentary channels Animal Planet and the Discovery Channel aired a highly polished documentary named Mermaids, The Body Found, which appeared to provide evidence for the existence of an aquatic humanoid species. The show received 1.9 million views during its premiere on Animal Planet in the US on May 27, 2012, which at the time was cited as the most watched telecast since the memorial for presenter Steve Irwin. What wasn't made clear at the time was that the documentary was actually docufiction and was essentially a found footage derivative movie produced for Animal Planet to show during Shark Week. IMDB gives the movie a rating of 4.6 out of 10, with the movie synopsis reading 
A team of scientists testifies that they found the remains of a sea creature with ties to human origins, a modern-day mermaid. They claim a massive government cover-up is currently hiding the creature's existence from the general public. Apparently the movie had aired the previous year in Australia in 2011 and identified immediately as a hoax. The Sydney Morning Herald published the following article. The version that I saw doesn't even do viewers the courtesy of admitting that it's fake until the credits are about to roll. People love that sort of stuff, I get it, but it belongs on more tabloid channels that don't have any pretensions of scientific or historical credibility. However, the Australian showing was largely unknown in the United States, and so many people believe that the show was a real documentary that it was later compared to Orwell's War of the Worlds radio broadcast in 1938, and even resulted in a rebuttal by the US National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, with Snopes including it as a hoax on their website. The media backlash, once it was made clear that the show was science fiction, was swift and brutal, but it didn't stop the sequel being produced a year later. Time magazine headlined with, Discovery Channel provokes outrage with fake Shark Week documentary. The popular network has found great success in airing shows that mislead and misinform. And Wired with, Mermaids embodies the rotting carcass of science TV. The sequel to the movie, aired in 2013, had roughly the same effect, with a digital journal citing Animal Planet's Mermaid documentary hoax fools millions yet again. The Snopes article debunking the movie is worth a read in its entirety, and while I'll read its conclusion here, I will put the link in the podcast information page. On 27th of May 2012, Discovery's Animal Planet channel aired a pseudo-documentary entitled Mermaids, The Body Found in the US a purely fictional work dealing with the purported federal cover-up of a discovery involving scientists from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration that proved the existence of a remnant population of mermaids, described as being an evolutionary offshoot of the aquatic ape hypothesis, a generally discounted idea that early hominid species went through an aquatic phase in their evolution. The program was not fact but rather speculative science fiction, which included obvious CGI-produced video sequences and fictional characters such as Dr. Paul Robertson, a former NOAA scientist. To enhance the pseudo-reality aspect of the program, a website was established at believeinmermaids.com offering no content other than an opening page hoax proclaiming that the site's domain had been seized by the US Department of Justice and Homeland Security. So why are we so ready to believe fictitious tales of aquatic humanoids? 5,000-year-old folklore of half-fish, half-humanoid beings can be found in Mesopotamian folklore, with the fish god, Oans, said to have taught humankind writing the arts and the sciences. Oans was described as a fish with the head of a human beneath the fish head and the feet of a human beneath his tail. Then, in Syria, some 3,000 years ago, there was the tale of the goddess Artagatis, who dove into a lake and took the form of a fish. In ancient Greek mythology, one Greek myth states that Thessaloniki, sister of Alexander the Great, had been transformed into a mermaid on her death in 295 BC and set up home in the Aegean Sea. Apparently she had the magical ability to conjure storms to destroy ships manned by those not loyal to her brother. Now some folk often cite sirens as a form of mermaid in Greek mythology, with the misconception of sirens translating into US TV series such as Siren a three-season fantasy people series, and more recently in Marvel's Wakanda Forever, where the water folk have a siren song that can control people. In Greek mythology though, the sirens that enchanted people to their deaths in the sea and jagged cliffs were half human, half bird, 
rather than fish, but the siren story, like many folk tales, changes with time to fit the purposes of the storytellers. The legend of the mermaid Silvana Maka is native to Cambodia, Thailand and Laos, and sightings of her are regarded as a herald of good luck. The story tells that Silvana Maka was tasked with preventing the building of a causeway across the sea, but instead fell in love with the builder and helped him complete his task. Slavic mythology includes the Rusalki, described as water nymphs representing agriculture and fertility. However, the tales of these friendly creatures changed in the 19th century, when the folklore morphed the water nymphs into the ghosts of women who had died by drowning, and who in turn continued their paranormal existence, luring men and children to their watery grave. Again, as folklore is changed by storytellers, originally the Rusalki were represented in full humanoid shape, but in more recent years is often depicted as half-human female, half-fish. The tale of Melusine seems to date from medieval European folk tales, though Germany, France and Hungary have different versions of her story. Melusine was said to be a sprite or spirit with either a fish or a serpent tail, and some stories she also had wings. The most common story cites her as the daughter of a human father and a fairy mother, punished with a tail by her mother for bad behaviour. In Japan, the mermaid is presented a little differently. The ningyo, translated as human fish, was said to have a monkey's mouth filled with small fish teeth, golden scales and a voice resembling a flute. The folklore suggests that eating their flesh while making a tasty meal would also make the imbiber live longer than normal. However, the belief was that when the creature was caught it would bring damaging storms with it, much like the tale of the mermaid in Greek myth, and also that if the body of a ningyo washed ashore it was an omen of calamity. Allegedly, one of the creatures was caught off the coast of the island of Shikoku, sometime between 1736 and 1741. The body of the creature was moved to a temple in Asakuchi, where the body was said to have been mummified over time. It was also believed that the mummy had the power to grant immortality, and even though the mummy had been sealed from view, offerings were made to it in more recent years to avoid the impact of COVID-19. In 2022, scientists were allowed to study the mummy for the first time and it was found that the creature visibly appeared to have a mammalian upper with a fish lower half. But when scanned and investigated, it was found that while the lower half of the mummy was indeed that of a croaker fish, the upper body was a construct of cotton, cloth, paper and puffer fish skin, with mammalian hair, nails made from animal keratin, and the jaws from a carnivorous fish. The structure had been pinned together and had been painted with a charcoal paste. So why the hoax? It's simply thought that due to the popularity of the mermaid mythology, Fake mummies were likely created for simple spectacle, or even for an export. By early this year, a further 14 mummies have been found, so it is hoped that a study of these items may shed a little more light on the reason for their creation. So now, moving a little closer to home. The UK does have a number of mermaid tales. According to the folklorist Catherine Briggs, mermaids were seen as beautiful women from the waist up with long golden hair, but fish from the waist down. The sighting of a mermaid was said to be a portent of doom for fisherfolk, with a mermaid encounter often resulting in the loss of a boat or ship and all hands. Briggs called these the hungry ravening mermaids, and were said to travel up rivers to bask on riverbanks. These creatures were said to lure hapless travellers with cries for help, pretending to drown in the waters, but when the hopeful hero would plunge in to save her, the mermaid would drag them down, drown them, and feast on their blood. In Scottish folklore, there were stories, however, of mermaids advising on medicines and herbs to aid dying folk, and in Cornwall, mermaids were said to grant wishes to good people who helped them. Lamorna Rock in Cornwall is also said to be the home of a mermaid, and while she has never been seen, her song can be heard heralding the sinking of a ship seven days after the song is heard. 
in Staffordshire near Leek is the mermaid's pool. Legend has it that at midnight a mermaid will surface to comb her hair and anyone unfortunate enough to be close to the water's edge will be dragged down and drowned. At Rendlesham, Suffolk, there is the tale of a pool being home to a mermaid armed with a rake, which she used to drag unruly children into the depths for her dinner. A similar entity in the river Gipping was also set to prey on children. At Hayfield, Derbyshire, is a further mermaid's pool, where it is said a mermaid will appear at midnight on Easter Sunday Eve, and anyone witnessing the creature will be granted a longer life. At Marden, on the River Lug in Hereford and Worcester, local tales tell of a storm causing the local church bell to fall into a river, only to be found and secreted away by a freshwater mermaid, who can be heard ringing the bell occasionally from the depths. In the 1860s, Folklorist Denham records that was a stone carved with the impression of a footprint at Old Cambus, Scottish borders, which was used to cross a wet area of the road leading to St Helen's Church. The stone was called the Mermaid Stone, as legend had it that a selkie in human form had stepped on the stone, causing the footprint while trying to evade her human pursuers. Folklorist Mark Alexander recorded in 2002 that pebbles found on the beaches of Iona were known as Mermaid's Tears, due to the tale of a mermaid who fell in love with the Holy Man. The Holy Man prayed to God that she was given human speech and a soul, but the mermaid preferred to stay as she was, and as so, they were forever separated and her tears of sorrow petrified as she wept and fell on the beach as pebbles. In Irish mythology, Merrow is the name given to merfolk, with the female Merrow said to be extremely beautiful with long green hair, while the male Merrows were ugly, cruel and more fish than human. According to Briggs, female Merrow had webbing between their fingers, and they usually appeared before ferocious storms. They could come onto land by using caps made of red feathers, but if their cap was ever stolen or lost, they couldn't return to sea until it was recovered. The male Merrow said to have green skin, red noses and pig eyes. While most sources suggest they were cruel beings, Briggs describes them as jolly, jovial fellows who often became fast friends with their human counterparts. In Scotland and the Isles, the Selkie were a further derivative of local mermaid myth. Though in this case, the Selkies were shapeshifters that used magical seal skins to transform into a seal when in the ocean. When they removed their seal skins, they took the form of beautiful women. The tales are mixed, with some citing them as dangerous creatures luring people into the water to their deaths, while most tell stories of the Selkies taking human form and marrying humans to begin families. According to Briggs, sea lions, crested seals and grey seals were thought by the people of Orkney and Shetland to be Selkies which were attributed to fallen angels driven out of heaven for following Lucifer, but not deemed bad enough to reside in hell. In her version, there were both male and female selkies, both very beautiful in human form, with the males being somewhat restless and often wandered inland in search of human mates. The females, however, were less capricious and preferred selkie husbands, but human males would steal their seal skins while they were on the beach dancing in human form, and the females, unable to return to sea without their seal skins, would be forced to marry the human who had stolen it. Briggs also refers to another group of seal people, cousins to the Selkies, as the Roan, who made their home at John O'Groats. Unlike the Selkies, however, that used their magical seal skins to transform to and from seal form, the Roan didn't need the skin, shape-shifting at will and also allowing humans in their presence to also shape-shift. Now for a slight perception change, moving from folklore to alleged sightings. In 1809, the Glasgow Courier mentioned a sighting of a mermaid off the coast of Caithness. The article is entitled The Mermaid, and begins with a small letter to the editor of the Glasgow Courier. Sir, the letters from Caithness respecting the mermaid, which have lately appeared in the public prints, 
having excited considerable attention, the Glasgow Philosophical Society, by their secretary, wrote to the Reverend Mr. Mackay, Minister of Ray, to ascertain the authenticity of these documents. The following polite answer was, in due course, received by the Society. Sir, in terms of your and the Philosophical Society's request, I have to inform you that my daughter wrote a letter to Mrs. Innes, Dowager of Sandside, concerning the phenomenon seen near this place, merely for private information, without the smallest suspicion of any other use to be made of it. But having excited Sir John Sinclair's curiosity, he obtained a copy of this letter, and it seems that by one of his friends it found its way into the English newspapers. Though I never saw the letter, either originally or in the papers, I have good reason to support that it is a genuine document. With regard to the animal's timidity, I have only to say that two servant maids and a boy being at the time down among the rocks, it was the cries of the boy that made it disappear. It soon reappeared further out in the sea and ultimately disappeared after having taken its course a considerable way along the shore, the spectators following and walking on until they lost hope of coming up again. The schoolmaster of Thurso's letter is also genuine, and he is a gentleman whose veracity is not called in question. On the 29th of October 1811, John MacIsaac gave sworn testimony that he had seen a mermaid while walking along the beach at Campbelltown. He had watched her for some time before she dove into the water. The mermaid was said of a brindled fishtail, with white skin on her upper torso and red hair. Interestingly, MacIsaac was given a character witness by two clergymen and a justice of the peace as to the reliability of his character. Three days later, a further statement came from another witness who described the same creature but that had been seen a week before in the same area. In 1814, two fishermen working off Port Gordon reported witnessing a merman and a mermaid. The merman was reported as being black in colour, with long arms and curly hair. In September 1822, the Bristol Advertiser reported the following. We lately noticed a statement sent by Dr Phillips of the arrival of a mermaid at the Cape of Good Hope, and the expectation that it would shortly arrive in London. The animal is said to be preserved in spirits. In the meantime, the account has been translated into many German journals and has excited the curiosity of their readers respecting the result of the examination of this prodigy when it shall reach London. Professor Lichtenstein of Berlin has published the following article in the Prussian State Gazette to show how improbable the whole story is. It may be pretty confidently prophesied that this siren, if she should have the courage to appear before good observers such as Sir Everard Home, Dr Leach, Mr Koenig and company in London, will be detected as an imposition, or else the two descriptions, as well as the drawing, must be wholly fictitious, which is not to be supposed. That the artificial composition was not discovered at the Cape, I would ascribe not so much to the ignorance of those who observed it there, as to the ingenuity of the persons who made and exhibited it. Probably, as it cannot stand, it is suspended by a bandage round the body which hides the seam. I infer this also from the circumstance, that the two descriptions are silent with respect to this part of the body. Some centuries ago, there were persons who knew how to compose such wonderful animals in a very ingenious and durable manner. The renowned seven-headed hydra, which the immortal Linnaeus, when he passed through Hamburg in 1734, first ventured to pronounce to be the work of art, and which is in the possession of Senator Jinquel in that city, is even now in such good preservation that you must look very sharply to discover where the seven serpents' heads, each of which has in its open jaws the teeth of a cat, are joined with the body of the crocodile. 
and this piece is said to be as old as the time of the Thirty Years' War. On the whole, after due consideration of all the data, it seems probable to me that the part of this animal resembling the human figure is that of some East Indian monkey, the hair of which has been shaved off except a little on the head and about the beard. To decide upon the fish part, we must first know how large the scales are, and whether the fins, as they stand, are in their natural state, or have been arranged by means of scissors. Besides this, no mention is made of an anal fin, nor is there any trace of it in the drawing. Before we believe in sea nymphs, we should first see the unicorn and the cloven-footed horse, that the knowledge of miraculous animals may be properly developed. Two months later, this article appeared in the Hull Advertiser. We some time ago copied an account from the London papers of an animal said to be the mermaid, which had been purchased in India and brought for our exhibition to this country. The purchaser is reported to have given $5,000 for it, and it was insured from India to London for 2000 at Lloyd's. The quarterly review attributes the origin of this extraordinary production, now exhibiting in London, to the ingenious knowing of the Chinese. This would seem to be the fact from the following observations in the last edition of the Literary Gazette. We have again carefully inspected this creature, as minutely as its glass casing permits. Our opinion is fixed that it is a composition. A most ingenious one we grant, but still nothing beyond the admirably put together members of various animals. The extraordinary skill of Chinese and Japanese in executing such deceptions is notorious, and we have no doubt that the mermaid is a manufacture from the shore of the Indian Sea, where it has been pretended it was caught. We are not of those who, because they happen not to have had direct proof of the existence of any extraordinary natural phenomena, push scepticism to the extreme and deny its possibility. The depth of the sea, in all probability, from the various chemical and philosophical causes, contain animals unknown to its surface waters, or if ever, rarely seen by human eye. But when a creature is presented to us, having no other organisation but that which is suitable to a medium always open to our observation, it in the first instance excites suspicion that only one individual of the species should be discovered and obtained. When knowledge was more limited, the stories of mermaids seen in distant quarters might be credited by the many and not entirely disbelieved by the few. But now, when European and especially British commerce fills every corner of the earth with men of observation and science, the unique becomes the incredible, and we receive with far greater doubt the apparition of such anomalies as present. It is curious that, though medical men seem in general to regard this creature as a possible production of nature, no naturalist or any ability credits it after five minutes of observation. This may perhaps be accounted for by their acquaintance with the parts of distinct animals, of which it appears the mermaid is composed. The cheeks of the blue-faced ape, the canine teeth, the simia upper body, and the tail of the fish are all familiar to them in less complex combinations and they pronounce at once that the whole is an imposture. Let us, however, in justice to the owner of this sea monster, repeat our opinion that he is by no means privy to the imposition. It is affirmed that almost all of the Eastern world, including Sir Thomas Raffles, a person of no mean judgment, held the mermaid to be genuine, and that its purchaser believed it to be so, is witnessed not only by the sum he gave for it, but by the fact of his having exhibited in originally in a way in the most likely caught detection, if false, namely by suspending it by a string fastened to the middle of the back. We lament, therefore, to be compelled, in justice to ourselves, 
to pronounce the judgment we have done, but being thoroughly convinced that it is not natural, we are bound to say so and to tell our readers that if they go to see it, as it is well worth a visit, it must be to observe how admirably such a deception can be executed. In 1823, a further mermaid sighting was reported in the Hampshire Advertiser. There appears in the last number of Constable's Edinburgh Magazine a curious communication on this subject from Mr Lawrence Edmonton, a surgeon from Zetland. He says that an animal answering to the following description, so far as the account of the six fishermen who captured it can be depended upon, was actually in their possession for three hours, but unluckily, from some superstitious dread of it, they returned it to its native element, and thus prevented the scientific examination of an animal, which appears to have nearly resembled what has been generally regarded as a merrily fabulous creation. Length of animal, three feet, body without scales or hair, silver grey above, whitish below, like the human skin, no gills were observed, no fins on the back or belly, tail like that of a dogfish, body very thick over the breast, by the way the girth might be between two and three feet, the neck short, very distinct from the head and shoulders, the body rather depressed, the extremities very like the human hand, about the length of a seal's paw, webbed to an inch of the end of the fingers, mouth and lips very distinct, resembling the human. In 1826, three men reported a mermaid with long black hair along the shores next to Rothsay on the Isle of Butte, accompanied by a creature with the body of a man but the head of a brute. And in the same month, the mermaid was also reported with a long black tail at Aberystwyth in Wales, witnessed by 12 people. As with many folklore elements across the British Isles, the sightings of merfolk dwindled rapidly, moving into the late 19th century, though folklorist Walter Dennison recorded in 1893 that there were folk living on the Orkney Islands with webbed hands and feet that claimed selkie lineage, and moving into the 20th century sightings continued to decline, though once again Orkney produced an interesting case when on the 14th of July 1990, two bird watchers went missing without a trace, and it's recorded that the locals put it down to them being taken by the selkie folk. While sightings of these cryptids are becoming rare around the UK, the interest in mermaids and merfolk is blooming, aided by docufiction, and also, of course, movies such as Disney's The Little Mermaid. This interest is manifesting in many cases as a form of roleplay, with mermaid schools appearing offering courses in mermaid swimming, photoshoots, etc., with some people choosing to even identify as merfolk. So going back to the beginning and the question over why people are so eager to believe in mermaids, it's simply part of our mythology across the globe, fueled by a fascination of the sea and the dark mysteries that lurk within. In the past, oral tales and then the written word fueled the legends, and now we have movies, and in the case of Animal Planet and the Discovery Channel, docufiction presented as fact, that will continue to keep merfolk firmly in our developing folklore. For me though, I can't help but wonder what fantastic tales and puzzled expressions will appear in centuries to come, when future archaeologists uncover discussions on mermaid schools and mermaid tales constructed from neoprene and spandex. Thank you for listening to this, the 10th episode of a Northern Counties Paranormal podcast, hosted by Within the Boggart Wood. If you'd like any more information on the project, including social media or Patreon links, please visit the website at theboggartwood.uk. Until next time, have a great week and stay safe.